Hello, Kryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, with my co-host, Jake Jabrelli. And hanging out with us today is Crypto Lissa. How you doing, Lissa? Doing good. How about you? Oh, good. How's, how's the holiday treating you so far? Good. My birthday's tomorrow. Happy so. birthday. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, enjoy. Enjoy. Excited. Yeah, enjoy your birthday. Oh, cool. Thank you. And thanks for How are you out. doing, Jake? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, it's good to have a, a new face or a new voice on the uh, podcast. I'm glad to have you here. And what I heard, we're, we're going to expect pretty awesome commentary from our new guest. Uh, just as a comment, as everyone has been who hasn't been on or isn't listening to this in the past, this content is for entertainment purposes only. Any comments made by us, the host, or any guests we have on the show is not financial advice. That is a disclaimer. Back to you, John. All right. Let's get started with your top 10 daily stats from CoinGecko.com. Starting off with Bitcoin settling at. Actually, let's refresh that page here. Settling at. Yeah, there it is. It's going up. Settling at $50,067.13 with a seven-day gain of 1.9% and a market cap of $946 billion. Number two, Ethereum settling at $4,134.28 with a seven-day gain of 0.8% and a market cap of $490 million. Number three, Binance Coin settling at $569.89 with a seven-day gain of 0.5% and a market cap of $95 billion. Number four, US uh, Tether. USDT settling at $1, of course, with a, with a seven-day no gain, no loss, and a market cap of $77 billion. Number five, Solana settling at $173.71 with a seven-day loss of 13.6% and a market cap of $53 billion. Number six, Cardano settling at $1.36 with a seven-day loss of 3.9% and a market cap of $43 billion. Number seven, USD coin settling at $1 with a seven day gain of a slight gain of 0.2% and a market cap of $41 billion. Number eight, XRP settling at 85 cents with a seven day gain of 0.9% and a market cap of $40 billion. Number nine, Polkadot settling at $29.47 with a seven-day gain of 0.7% and a market cap of $31 billion. And last but not least, in the top 10, Terra settling at $61.61 with a seven-day loss of 18.9% and a market cap of $23 billion. Cryptonauts, that is your top 10 daily stats for today. Of course, as Jake likes to take a peek at the next, what, five, five to ten? Well, we've definitely seen Dogecoin get kicked out of the top ten. And it's been out for a, about a week now. Shiba Inu, Crypto.com, and Polygon are still, of course, vying for those top 15 or top 11 through 15 spots and Avalanche as well. Um, but not a whole lot has changed in the last five, four or five days since we last talked about this. Although I will say that Solana continues to lose. It, you know, obviously, it made its meteoric rise up and kicked Cardano and, and XRP and Polkadot all out of the top positions. Cardano sat in, in the uh, five and four position for a very long time. But uh, Solana is falling again. 
And it, it's got a long ways to fall before it falls in the sixth. And Cardano has to pick up some. It's also been falling. So yeah, I think I feel bad for all the people who bought into Cardano when it was two dollars. <laughs> yeah, I think there was some news about uh, like a DDoS on Solana. Yeah, there was, yeah. and we may read about that. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Cool. Len, let's. Uh... Oh yeah, hold on. Total market cap. Total market cap is at two point four two trillion dollars, up by two point nine percent. And I almost forgot, collect your daily candies. Up in the top right corner, you'll see a little candy jar. Click click your uh, your daily earnings here to get your candies, and you can get your awesome CoinGecko rewards, discounted items, or some free NFTs. Every now and then, they'll drop an NFT in here. And, yeah, that's that. All right, Jake, back to you. Thanks, John. Uh, remember... If you appreciate our content and you're on YouTube, you can always like. You can't really see the dislikes anymore because YouTube changed that. But if you really continue to appreciate our content, you should subscribe and hit the notification bell. We post every Wednesday and Sunday. That's also true for Anchor. It's not just on YouTube. Uh, you can also check us out in Discord. There's lots of stuff going on there. You can actually do your own collection of our own token, just like you do with the candies for, uh, for CoinGecko here. But we also do a thing where you can collect uh, tokens, C3 media tokens, in Discord. So join us. You can do that literally every hour. And you can compete with John, who's currently the number one person. But you're going to have to do it all the time. You can also participate with us in the market, which is just rolling out. You rolled that out the other day, didn't you, John? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. So check out the market, uh, C3 media market. There's all kinds of, uh, of what, coins and NFT things you can participate with in on that. There's also a lot of stuff going on on, on Twitter live spaces, which John has recently confessed to us been doing it pretty much all day and all night. So if you like Twitter and you like crypto, check John out on Twitter. There's a lot of things to participate in with that. We're also on Patreon, which we have three levels of participation, $3, $5, and $10. The more you pay, the more you get. There's a lot of AMAs as well as continued uh, interview information on the back end of that. And if you don't want to support any of those methods and like crypto a whole lot, we do accept Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, Basic Attention Token, and Raven. All the links are in the description below. Below, below, below. But before we continue, CryptoLissa, can you uh, can you plug us, uh, pl plug the crypto space event that's going on later today, here on the podcast? Sure can. So tonight at six p.m. Pacific time, John will be hosting along with me. I'm co-hosting, and if you guys are familiar with Twitter. Um, clothing will be also co-hosting and we will have special guests Tron on and this just starts our T-30 market event for Ravencoin um, up to Ravencoin's having on January 11th so again that's 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Twitter Spaces thank you all right let's get started with your crypto news of the day provided by decrypt.co First news of the day, written by Tim Haki. Miami's mayor wants some of his 401k in Bitcoin. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Miami's Bitcoin-loving mayor, Francis Suarez, told a reporter at Real Vision's takeover event in Las Vegas on Friday that he's planning to take some of his 401k retirement in his favorite cryptocurrency. The news comes a month after his re-election. Back then, the 41-year-old mayor announced he'd take next uh, take his next paycheck in bitcoin true to his words waters has indeed been collecting some wages in the world's most popular cryptocurrency using payment processor strike not to be outdone jackson tennessee mayor scott 
Conger responded to the news early Sunday by tweeting, All of our employees will soon have this option. Suarez and Conger both have a long history of Bitcoin maximalism in their respective cities. Back in January, Suarez has had a video interview with Gemini co-founder Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss. The three of them discussed Bitcoin and crypto regulations as part of Suarez's mission to make Miami the most crypto-competitive city on the planet. And here's a tweet from Mayor Scott Conger. Over the summer, Suarez told attendees at Miami's Bitcoin Carnival that he's trying to create the Bitcoin, blockchain, and mining capital of the world. And earlier this year, the city's governing commission passed a resolution that Suarez had pushed proposing to explore the practicalities of paying city workers in Bitcoin. In June, Suarez helped to secure $25 million in funding from investments firm Borderless Capital to help blockchain startups and entrepreneurs in the city. That same month, Blockchain.com announced it was relocating to Miami from New York, citing the city's welcoming regulatory environment. And in early August, CityCoins, a blockchain product that has promoted investments in cities by enabling people to buy or mine city-specific tokens, launched Miami Coin, netting a sweet $8 million in revenue for the cities in just two months. Meanwhile, in Tennessee, Conger established a blockchain task force to discuss the possibility of accepting property tax payments in Bitcoin. The task force also will look into giving Jackson employees the option to invest in Bitcoin through dollar cost averaging, a method where investors buy Bitcoin periodically to negate its volatility. Conger is an un, uh, what is it, un, unabashed, unabashed Bitcoin maxi. This year, he briefly rocked laser eyes on his Twitter profile picture to signal his prediction Bitcoin will rise to $100,000. In early April, he even knocked heads with Suarez to discuss integrating cryptocurrencies into Jackson's economy. Conger's response to Suarez's announcement about receiving his retirement in Bitcoin might be the beginning of a sporting rivalry between the two Bitcoin maxi mayors. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nice. I don't know. I think they're going to compete with... Um... Uh, what's his name in Venezuela? Yeah, the president. Yeah, president, because he's the one who's trying to build the city of, of Bitcoin. I mean, Conger can do all he wants, but I, I, honestly, I'm not in favor of Venezuela, but I think they have a lot more money behind them on their Bitcoin city idea. So it's oh, also like we talked about this before, Lisa, that that uh, we I personally think that. Uh, it's just a huge money laundering scheme from the president of, of Venezuela to uh, to make his Bitcoin uh, palace and city that he's doing down there. Mm. All right. So, let's continue. Any other commentary? I, what, I want to stop you from that, John. You think this no, is really cool, right? I, I do. I like it. I like, I like the fact that he's like, you know... Uh, a representative of a certain region, i.e. Miami. And you know all the folks over there are going to be like, yes, if you're doing it, we're going to do it. If he's a leader and he's leading people into crypto, they're going to follow. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good movement for people to, to, to get into. I mean, oh, man, just look at that face. It's a good smile, man. It's a good smile. You know, <laughs> you know, you know he's earning crypto. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's great that he wants to do that because it's putting it in the, in the face of other people's activities. So it's good to see. Anywho, um, continuing on with more news from Kate Irwin, Bitcoin bounces back to 50 grand in weekend cons consolidation. Bitcoin prices returned to 50 grand around noon Eastern on Sunday after a week of hovering around 40,000s. 
Since the beginning of October, Bitcoin has been above 50,000 for many, a sign of the ongoing bull market. Bitcoin's flash crash last weekend, in part because of substantial leverage trading, surprised some $1.79 billion, uh, was liquidated within an hour, sending its value down to around 47000 on Friday. Bitcoin analyst Crypto Valerio uh, sees a pattern in the crypto's, cryptocurrency's recent volatility comparing Bitcoin's price structure to that seen in the 2020. His chart shows how Bitcoin's price pattern makes higher lows and lower highs before a substantial price upswing, like at the end of last year. Quote, you'll understand how emotions influence the majority of the investor's decision when uh, making when trading, because this leads to some patterns and market structures recurring over and over again. This allows us to compare them and take conclusions on how probable they are to re reoccur, end quote, he wrote on Twitter. And here's the quote on that. For many, Bitcoin returning to 50,000 is bullish news, but it doesn't break some analysts' hesitancies around other, another's possible dip or continued price stagnation. For on-chain analysis, Will Clemente and technical analysis uh, Pentashi Bitcoin will need to pass 52,000 to 53,000 in order to allow for another potential upswing. There's a quote on that from Will Clemente. BTC needs to reclaim this 52,000, 53,000 Pent uh, Pentashi noted on Twitter by Flipping bull uh, will, uh, pardon me, there will, there we reduce downside risk and are still able to compound off the $60,000 shorts. So it's a, it's a quick little note here enough. It's, it's just more of an update if no one was paying attention to Bitcoin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's funny how it gets from John and my perspective, and I'm sure Liz is in, in the same boat here, that um, when you're, when you have diamond hands, it doesn't matter how much it drops. Now, I would honestly, seriously be concerned if Bitcoin went back below 25,000. That would be a gargantuan drop. That, yeah. um, and I think we'd see a lot more uh, rats deserting the ship if that happened. I just can't see that happening. There's too many people who are maximalists, not just the Winklevoss twins, but even uh, Mark Cuban. I don't, I, I, I don't think that those people would let this happen, although I don't know how they'd stop it. But at the same time, there's so many people that are hardcore for Bitcoin itself that everybody else just kind of falls in a wash and goes with it. Um, but I do, I will admit that while watching the, the crash happen, there were a couple of coins that I personally own that did not fall. Um, and I'm not telling you to buy them. I'm just saying that they, there were in particular, and I've talked about this before in, in the podcast is that we've had um, the Bitcoin or not Bitcoin, but uh, crypto gaming uh, kind of general scene hasn't really fallen. That part of it, particularly along the level of people buying NFTs, that hasn't fallen either, despite this crash in price. Mm -hmm. So the, the functionality of the market remains, and in particular divisions, it also remains, um, despite this fall. Like you said, this is FOMO, and they it made, made note of this in this article. So not, I'm, I'm not worried, No, nope. but that's because I've seen this too many times before. Yeah, exactly. If it goes down, hey, I'm just going to stack some more sets. Exactly. Got a chance to buy the 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 MF dip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next news article written by Daniel Roberts, Ethereum co-founder Joe Lubin. High gas fees are a measure of success. Oh, I don't know if I like that comment. I I don't know. <laughs> let's let's see what he has to say here. As Ethereum's popularity for everything from DeFi lending to NFT minting has grown, so has the cost of doing business on the network. Gas fees, the amount of GUI, a fraction of ETH, 
charged per transaction have steadily risen. That has per per periodically promoted fierce debate debates over the network's usability and has given Ethereum challengers like Solana, Avalanche, and Polkadot a chance to pitch themselves as cheaper, faster alternatives. The ongoing debate over Ethereum gas fees reached... They, they forgot to add uh, Raven in there. <laughs> the ongoing debate over Ethereum's gas fees reached a boiling point, point again last month, highlighted by a tweet from crypto investors and Three Capital Arrows... Arrow, arrow, ah, three Arrows Capital co-founder <laughs> Suzu that rallied, yes, I have abandoned Ethereum despite supporting it in the past. Yes, Same Ethereum, here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same here. Yeah, for reals. Yeah. Uh, yes, Ethereum has abandoned its users despite supporting them in the past. But Joe Lubin, a co-founder of Ethereum and the CEO of Consensus, which provides funding for the editorially independent Decrypt, waves off gas fees concerns. Quote, High gas fees are a measure of success, he said in an interview with Decrypt on stage at Decentral, an event in Miami last week to, to kicked off Art Basel. They're a growth pain. There's something that can't be avoided. When a new technology becomes successful, it always has scaling issues. So whether it's CPU cycles or screen real estate or memory, you're basically going to have software engineers max out the capabilities of the technology. And it turns out we're seeing consumers max out the capabilities of the technology. And here's a link to the interview. Lubin added that Ethereum 2.0, which he says should arrive by Q2 or possibly slipping into Q3 next year, will help address both transactions cost and energy use. He also had friendly words for Ethereum competitors, though he noted that those networks are not immune to rising gas fees either. Quote, we're already seeing scalability happen at layer 2, and at layer 2 we're seeing hundreds and soon tens of thousands of transactions per second that are actually very inexpensive. There's Solana inexpensive, Avalanche inexpensive, Lubin said. Those are both cool systems, by the way, Solana and Avalanche. And as they get more utilized by consumers, we're seeing transaction fees cheap creep up to $1 and $2 for, uh, for those technologies. Ethereum is going to be the blockchain of blockchains. It's, it's going to be the major digital asset settlement layer. It's going to be the coordination layer for many different layer 2 technologies. Lubin said that Ethereum these days is approaching 200,000 validators on the network, and with that, and that with Ethereum 2.0 and the shift of proof-of-stake mechanism, that number will grow exponentially. The barrier to entry is very low, so anybody will be able to do it. Finally, Lubin had a lot to say about institutional adoption of crypto, days after Consensus announced a $200 million fundraise that values the business at $3.2 billion. Quote, Entity like J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, etc., in my opinion, are FOMOing at the mouth to get into our ecosystem, Lubin declared. FOMO, of course, stands for fear of missing out, increasing, increasingly used in an investing context. But they're massive regulated banking institutions, so it's not going to be easy for them to do that sort of thing. And some of those investors, not J.P. Morgan specifically, have told us that investing in consensus is a bit of a proxy for getting into the ecosystem, especially with that old money dying or depreciating quite significantly with this new scounder money and soon to be ultra sound money growing in value exponentially and also yielding quite significantly institutions as well as people like getting yield. I agree. Yeah, the fumbling at the mouth. That's a good comment. I like that. I'm going to use that in the future. 
uh, instead of foaming, it's FOMOing. But yeah, basically, uh, yeah, Ethereum kind of has abandoned its its users, and I'm I'm only abandoning it now because of this this is exactly the question I asked to to Tron back when I very first we first got that chance to interview him, and I posed it the what if what about when Raven goes to a thousand dollars? It might never, but what if it did? How are we going to pay to buy you know new assets and new NFTs? It's going to be ridiculously expensive, and no low end user that doesn't have half a million dollars is going to be able to do it. Um, and he's like, "Yeah, so what? That's how it works." And I was thinking, "But what about the new people?" And he didn't care. And it's not like I don't think it's it's more of like I don't think it's. I put this more clearly. I don't think Tron uh, is will be a, you know a rich asshole. I don't think he'll be going. Uh, I don't care. I've got millions of dollars. You know, you figure it out. I made my money ten years ago. It's it's more like the we designed it this way, and that's how it works. Um, this is the same thing Solana and Avalanche and Polkadot will eventually face. It's the same thing Ethereum faces. Back when Ethereum was thirty cents, these were diddly squat, so it didn't matter. Now, but when it hit you know three or four hundred dollars, it was still a couple bucks. When it hit four grand, it became a hundred plus dollars, and that's because the price of the coin itself is high. And I get that they're using this. The thing that bugs me so much about ETH is smart contracts. Yet trading ETH, it could be twenty bucks if you do the the slow trade. You can't do that with smart contracts. You're gonna pay a hundred to one hundred and thirty dollars. Just to trade between, you know, trade on on Sushi Swap or, or Uniswap or something, and it's like, but 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 I only have a hundred dollars to trade. I don't want to have to trade ten grand just to meet the fees. Right. No, no joke, man. I was trying to move some dust uh, the other day. It was like I think like two dollars in dust on. It was like I forgot what it was, what which coin it was, but it was on Ethereum, and it was going to cost me like one hundred eighty dollars to move two dollars of, of dust. I was like, what? Exactly. No way, yep. man. That's dumb. Stupid. I would not do that. It's absolutely stupid. And that was my problem. I was trying to move a bunch of coins off of my MetaMask, which you know was originally supporting only Ethereum. It does support other coins now or other networks. But to move all these coins around, which was it wasn't a small amount of money, but it was still it's like I don't want to I had to. I spent nearly four hundred dollars trying to move this coin around. Oof. And it's like ah, No. I'm not, it wasn't a small amount of money. It was obviously for my business. And it, it's not like, I'm not going to admit how much it was. The point is that part of the crypto concept was to get away from spending relatively high dollar amounts to spend money. If you want to move, and this is actually something I faced when we tried to buy new hardware for my business, mm-hmm. crypto business, um, if you guys didn't already know, uh, is... I, there's a limitation on the card I was using. They're like, nope, sorry, you can't transfer more than $5,000 a day. I'm like, well, the price of what I'm buying is quite a bit more than $5,000, and I can't move more than five. They're like, not unless, not without you going through this rigorous, rigorous process, process or else doing a wire transfer, which still requires another rigorous process. And I was like, you know what? If this had been crypto, I could have just sent it. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if that was Ethereum, it would have cost me you know, 100 bucks, But it would still have been less in a bit, you know, inhibition to it. Like, oh, I want to send... 20 grand, I'm not saying that's about, but let's say, I want to send 20 grand in Ethereum, which is by like four and a half Ethereum, done. Okay. I don't have to talk to somebody who now holds all my money in check just mm-hmm. to move my money. Yeah. And of course, if you move more than five to 10 grand, the government has to know about it because they need to know if you're 
one doing money laundering right and two if you're a freaking terrorist right you need to make it like, for that kind of money you need to make an appointment you need to sit down with a personal banker you need yeah. to fill out paperwork yeah yeah and it's, it's like i i get why they made the rule of the, the patriot act but the the thing that bothers me about it is it's 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 like i could declare to you what i'm doing you know hey i'm buying hardware I'm not buying it from terrorists. This is all the stuff that's going on in the United States. Now, does that make me a terrorist? No, but, but the, because of the rule that we made up, which I, I understand the reason, like I said before, I understand the reasoning for it, but it puts this inhibition to making transactions and it just basically makes money slow. Hmm. And this is like, a, I know I'm going on a, on a tirade here, but I mean, this is kind of what I, I want Lissa to hear. Right. Um, is the... The um, the buying of large things, the finance, and this is the thing. Uh, I'm getting tripped on my words. I was just out, as you guys know, before the podcast, trying to buy stuff for Christmas. Now, I transferred money between the two accounts. If it had been crypto, it would have been done in maybe 30 minutes. And then the money would already be in the other account. Boom, done. Spend as you need. I only asked for a certain amount of money to move from one account to another, it literally takes four to five days. Four to five days. I did it on Monday. It should have been there by now. This is Sunday. It's taken seven days. Seven days. Hmm. And it wasn't even moving five grand. It was less than that. So the thing that bugs me about this is it's just all this rigmarole and, 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 and blockades to people moving your money around because the establishment doesn't want us to move money around without it knowing about it. Like, oh, are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? It's like, whose business is it yours? What I do with my money. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm sorry if I'm ranting about this, but this is what this is about. Mm -hmm. This is what crypto is about. Well, the reason crypto exists is because of the finance industry and the government sticking its nose where it doesn't belong. Right. Well, hopefully you uh, cleared your name with the SEC here on the record that you are not a potential GPU terrorist. <laughs> All right, let's head on to the next one. Written by Tim Haki. This week on Crypto Twitter. Yes, I got it this week. Nice. All right. Uh, White Castle, Reese Weatherspoon, Ubisoft's polarizing NFT move. All right. This week on Crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter was filled with the usual glut of announcements, opinions, and celebrity gossip this week. OpenSea's new executive hiring triggered a few adverse reactions. Reese Weatherspoon urged more women to get involved in blockchain, and White Castle and Ubisoft separately announced entries into crypto. Read on for our roundup of this week's most notable conversations. All right. On Monday, things kicked off with the news that NFT marketplace OpenSea hired Brian Roberts as its chief financial officer. Roberts formerly was CFO at ride-sharing app Lyft, where he steward, stewarded the company uh, through a successful IPO and rapid growth. Bloomberg profiled him after the announcement, and he told the publication, when you have a company growing as fast as this one, you'd be foolish not to think about it going public. Many took Robert's words as a definite sign that OpenSea was planning an IPO. Crypto investor at author underscore OX tweeted, Imagine being the largest and most successful NFT marketplace yet choosing to go for IPO instead of issuing tokens. Hmm. Crypto fund advisor at Koopa Troopa wrote, Crypto companies going public will never make sense to me. Give ownership to the community that makes you valuable. Tokens will win over equity every time. 
Exactly. Roberts responded on Wednesday, tweeting that his words have been misinterpreted. There was huh. a, <laughs> there was an inaccurate reporting about at OpenSea's plans. Let me set the record straight. There is a big gap between thinking about what an IPO might eventually look like and actively planning one. We are not planning an IPO, and if we ever did, we would look to involve the community. That sounds like he's backtracking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sounds like he's saying, oh, no, you don't understand what I meant. I meant this. Like, right, right, yeah. right. I mean, say what you mean. Don't, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest problems, I'm sorry to interject on this. One of the biggest problems with Twitter, and I think uh, Warren Buffett was the first person to say so, and the reason he stays off Twitter now, for the most part, is because his level of thinking is different than the level of thinking that the person that isn't at his level wouldn't know, right? And he makes comments that would easily be misinterpreted from a person who doesn't comprehend his perspective. And so he just doesn't comment because he knows he will be misinterpreted. Whereas other people, Elon Musk in particular, who doesn't seem to care how, how he's misinterpreted, as, as a lot of people say, any publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like he's just stirring the pot. And he knows he's stirring the pot, but he does it anyways. A lot of people are too self-conscious about their actions to say, oh, I don't know if that's a good thing to say out loud because then people might misinterpret it. Yeah, you can think that's exactly what they're going to do. That's the internet but for you. Yeah. This is what's happening. And the guy's like, well, it may mean something different. I, you're not going to explain it to the internet. Yeah, don't. The internet's don't. Gonna, <laughs> exactly. Every single time. Yeah, they will win. <laughs> yeah. Basically, what happened here was he said something that uh, that the crypto community did not feel too fond about and now have pretty much thrown him in the pit of fire and shot him with arrows. Exactly. And they're always going to do that. There's no way of beating the Internet. The Internet just just hates you and you're just going to have to accept yeah, that. But that's not what I meant. Don't care. Take another arrow. Pow. Exactly. Exactly. Reese Weatherspoon kicked off the week with a bang on Monday. She tweeted, crypto is here to stay and encouraged more women to enter the space. Her foray, <laughs> nice, there you go. Her, for, her, her for, foray into crypto isn't brand new. Back in December, she tweeted that she's she just bought her first ETH, and since then, she has bought NFTs too. But it looks like she's steering towards activism now. And here's a tweet from Reese Weatherspoon. On Thursday, Ubisoft became the first major video game publisher to announce its adding NFTs to games. The French video game company tweeted, introducing Ubisoft's Quartz. We're bringing the first energy-efficient NFTs playable in a AAA game to Ghost Recon Breakpoint. You know, that that's kind of like a, like a teeth grinder to me when people say energy-efficient. The announcement polarized Ubisoft's Twitter followers with many saying they were going to uninstall Ubisoft software, citing environmental concerns or that they feared the company was encouraging pay-to-win business models. Crypto supporters fought back, some with less than savory responses. Utility token traders at GBIS911 wrote, Just want to pop in and send a message to all the anti-NFT pours looking at the replies. Ha 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 ha. Ubisoft fared a little better on YouTube, where the announcement video for Ubisoft Quartz was taken down after it received overall 95% dislikes. Oh my god. It was 25,000 to 1,000 dislikes. And even though normally you don't see the dislikes, YouTube sees it on the back end and it's like, uh, people hate this. Really hate this. Man, that's, that's crazy. I've never heard such a thing. It looks like crypto is still a hard sell for gamers. 
when their fears over shelling out extra money for their favorite games haven't been adequately addressed. There, there's there's more to this. There's a lot more to that. I don't know if it's going to say it in this article exactly, but the, the thing that really took Ubisoft down on this was that you can buy this NFT, but you can't do anything with it. Like, literally, you can't even share it on social media. Ah, okay. So and that's why like people a... were, were crapping all of it. They're like, oh, um, all the um, uh, disclaimer, 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 disclaimer. All that stuff basically says... You can just have this thing. You can do Jack Diddley squat with it. Absolutely nothing. It's you can't even resell it, mm. and and it's because of all the the crap that you know Ubisoft put on the the NFTs so that they they you know register the thing. Like you're not even giving it. You're not even selling it to people. People can't use this. Why did you even bother? Yeah. And that's why people hated it so much. Mm. So. Oh, I see now. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, what, so it's basically just basically just uh, like an NFT badge. Yeah, kind of like a badge, right? But you can do nothing with it. You can't even, like you see, with at least with a, a board eight yacht club, you know, NFT, you can at least put it on your your Twitter as your avatar. You can't even do that with this NFT. Wow. It's all the red tape they wrapped it in. Like, oh, here's our beautiful red tape package. You can do nothing with your NFT. And people are like, what the f- is this? <laughs> Ubisoft learned the same lesson as chat app Discord did last month when its CEO teased an Ethereum wallet integration. Many gamers have not warmed to crypto. Yeah. Finally, American burger outlet White Castle tweeted on Thursday that it had registered the domain whitecastleofficial.eth with the Ethereum name, uh, name service ENS. ENS is an extremely promising system created by Nick Johnson and Alex Van Descendi. Of, Ethereum, of the Ethereum Foundation. It enables users and brands to register memorable, memorable? Memor- memorable. Memorable. Mem- memorable addresses for their crypto wallets instead of the usual complex strings of letters and numbers. ENS is hoping that its systems will be like what DNS was to the internet. Um, <laughs> okay, probably nothing. Okay, whitecastle.official.e. Okay. Yeah, uh, so they're. they're- Settled passing up. Oh, this is probably nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. The fast food chain also changed its profile pictures that of a Seahams NFT. So the brand's probably going all in on crypto. Um, it was like when IHOP went to IHOP International House of Burgers. And of course, it wasn't even April Fool's when they did it. But it was like, uh, this looks real, but why? Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about White Castle? Well, all right. So we're we're not on the East Coast. All of us here are left coasters. Um, I'm not saying White Castle is bad, and a lot of people who who've eaten at it on a regular basis love it. I would compare White Castle favorably to a cross between Carl's Jr. and Arby's. Um, but uh, people love them. I mean, they sell their burgers in stores. You can get them frozen in the frozen food section. Those I would are, say those are not good, bro. Those are not good. I'll tell you that right. I now. know they're not good. But like I said, some people love them. But then there are people who go to McDonald's every day. I don't understand that at all. Um, and if you guys go to the McDonald's every day, I'm sorry. Um, I just had McDonald's this morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't been. I haven't been, been to McDonald's in in 20 years. So. Oh God. Um, Ubisoft. I wish there was some more news. My hill, I'm dying on it. <laughs> I wish there was some more news on Ubisoft. That would have been cool. But yeah, that's good. We'll Thank, probably go find it. Let me just let me just do this story in Batcha. Okay. Uh, article on NFTs here. Uh, so NFTs and crypto are fully invaded in Miami's Art Basel. Over the last year, NFTs have kicked down the doors of the art world, making 
superstars of hitherto unknown artists like Beeple, People Pleaser, and Fawocious, <laughs> and grabbing headlines with multi-million dollar sales of CryptoPunks, Bored Apes, and Art Blocks. To date, the reception from the wider art community has been mixed, while venerable institutions like Christie's and Sotheby's have enthusiastically embraced NFTs and established artists like Damien Hirst have experimented with them, many in the art establishment remain somewhat sniffy. One art, pardon me, one thing the art world can't do now, though, is ignore NFTs. Which one are you reading? Sorry, sorry. Which one are you reading? This is the uh, one right after Crypto Twitter, which is uh, NFTs and crypto art fully invaded Miami's art basil. It was in the list. I don't have that one. <gasps> you don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Let me refresh the page and see if it disappeared. Then I'll know. Oh my gosh. The decrypt is down. What? Yeah. I was having I that issue too, but I, I can't get to decrypt either. All yeah. right. Well, I'm going to keep reading. Uh, okay. Let me share my screen so you guys can see what's going on here. So where is the thing to share the screen, share the screen, share the screen, share the screen, share the screen. Share the screen. There we go. All right. Can you see my screen now? Uh, here, close it out real quick and restart it. All right. Technical difficulties, everyone. Technical difficulties. Starting again. Starting again. I must say, I'm just very happy that Reese Witherspoon said that women are here to stay because I'm just happy about that. Nice. Yay. Awesome. Crypto, women in crypto Twitter, or crypto, women in crypto. Woo. All right. Can you see it now? Yes. Can you see me now? Can you see me now? <laughs> Continuing on. One thing the art world can't do now, though, is ignore NFTs. If their invasion of the art basil Miami is anything to go by. This year, the crypto set descended on the city to showcase their works and network with athletes, art dealers, famous artists, and musicians, and mingle with industry-leading galleries and museums. The hype around NFTs in Miami stood in marked contrast to their muted presence at London Art Week just months earlier. Here's what caught Decrypt's eye at the event. Ross Ulbricht's NFT from prison. During Art Basel's Ross Ulbricht, the founder of Silk Road, who is currently serving more than two life sentences in a Florida prison for his role in the site, released his genuous role in the site rather, released his Genesis NFT collection. The art consists of paintings made in prison, writings, and an animation of life on the inside, and was released with the support and assistance of Super Rare and curated by Intopic. The NFTs were soon snapped up by the newly formed Free Ross DAO, set up to Free Ross, advance uh, prison reform and share Ross's work with the world and give everyone a unique opportunity to own a piece of it because people want to own something made by a, pres a guy who's in prison, apparently. Where's, uh, what's his name? What's the name of the guy who hung, who, who hung himself in prison? Oh, um... And why is it creeping on my anyway? The point is, everybody wants prisoners' art, especially this guy. I'm mocking this, of course. Ross's mother, Lynn Ulbricht, hopes her son's NFT will uh, remind the world of the contribution of tech entrepreneurs, even those who sometimes skirt the letter of the law. Mm, yeah, because the law doesn't mean anything. 
My son believed in the non-aggression principle of free interaction, she told Decrypt. I think the government, in prosecuting my son to such a cruel extent, has made him a scapegoat in its fear of Bitcoin. They're not entirely wrong about that. She's probably accurate on that one. But in Miami, even good social clauses came with a party. With the NFT market booming, DJ Khalid, uh, never one to miss out on a trend, was seen spot-rocking the mic at an event hosted by Gemini, the crypto firm founded in 2014 by the Winklevoss twins. Miami balls so hard, Khalid uh, screamed at one point. Uh, it certainly does, especially when you're getting that Winklevoss money. Bitbull, meanwhile, took the stage at a party hosted by Tezos-powered uh, music NFT platform one of, and at a probably nothing, <laughs> everyone keeps using that term, party hosted by Gary Vanderchuk uh, and Coinbase, photographs of hot NFT like board apes, crypto punks, and cool cats and doodles line the digital wall displays at a marshmallow played a DJ set. And here's a photo of that. Olive Allen, a pioneer in, uh, if you got something to chime in with, please tell me. Pioneer of the crypto art movement, a strong voice for equality in the industry, has a busy week in Miami. In addition to presenting her work in the Zaha Hadid uh, studio, Design Metaverse in uh, Gallery Nagel, I think it's Nagel, Draxler's booth at Art Basel. She also took a part in a uh, sale offered by Christie's of a New York entitled Hopes for a Better Future, which pondered the invisibility of women in crypto. I think we know about this a lot now. And NFT space. Women make up less than 5% of NFT sales, she said. Using her voice on the platform in Miami, Allen strongly advocated for more to be done when it comes to access and equality in the space. And here is a, another visual of art along these lines. Another NFT creator making waves was Armenian feminist performance artist uh, Noreen Arakelian, who released an NFT in Miami that included her eggs, telling Page Six she hopes they will be donated to a couple trying to conceive. I remember them talking about this on internet today, earlier yesterday. Outside the convention center, a New York work, a new work by artist uh, Mario uh, Klingelman, which consisted of an interactive AI algorithm, allowed visitors to create unique self-portraits and mint them on site hold on hold on did you just say that she she minted her eggs yeah yeah this actually happened she actually put her she she didn't say all of them she just said one she's like i am donating one of my eggs to this purpose as an nft and then somebody may buy it and that is crazy i would have never that's something well i I, know i guess I don't know. That's I've you, never. You got you to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. You're right. It is. It is very um, noticeable. It's very something you're like, oh my goodness, that's something very different. <laughs> oh. The ARist uh, marketplace is uh, la- uh, pardon, also launched of environmentally conscious art, offering NFTs by artists such as Jonas Lund. Joni Lemessier and Nancy Baker Cahill, the proceeds of which went to support Reefline, a seven-mile underwater sculpture off Miami's coast. Miami, the crypto city. In a way, we have talked about this already. The NFT takeover of Art Basel was the latest evidence uh, that Miami has truly become a crypto haven. 
The city is now among the most crypto-friendly jurisdictions in America, which may, may which made Art Basel's NFT coming out party all the more popping. The city's mayor, Francis Suarez, has personally bought Bitcoin and Ethereum and welcomed blockchain entrepreneurs to the city en masse. Speaking to CBS Miami, the mayor said, this is the first time the Art Basel has taken on the digital footprint. I've been saying this is going to be the largest sale of NFTs in the history of humanity. The entire week suggested the crypto art market is booming, but all of this is happening as a part of a wider cultural shift, some say. Uh, sure, if I'm reading this name right here. Safian Delu, a social entrepreneur and founder of the cultural marketplace NewCoin protocol, said that the art market has been slow to embrace crypto, but now artists and the art market are coming to terms with how technology is shifting the playing field toward decentralization and Web3. Quote, the rise of, with the rise of Web3 is now the crypto investors who define good taste, and the new NFT space tends to overrepresent the, cult, the crypto culture in a way YouTube or Instagram have their own influence over content, Deleuze said, uh, told Decrypt. The art market, like uh, social media giants Facebook and Instagram, is in dire need of correction, and I dare say complete disruption altogether. End quote. If Art Basel Miami was anything to, to judge things by the disruption is just getting started couldn't agree more and i hope that raven nfts make a big splash plug raven <laughs> so is there any more news that we can even get out of decrypt if it's still down uh, uh no we'll just leave it at that that's fine uh mike right. mike are you there are you available do you have a moment I know you're. Yeah, I know you're on the road, but uh, I want to take this moment to get you on the podcast to uh, talk about the uh, the giveaway that you're doing, the sticker giveaway. Can you plug that in here on the podcast? Yeah. Um, so we're doing a sticker contest for the Avenue. Uh Just give your address to C3 Media, and we'll send out some stickers and a voting token. And send us back a picture, and we'll put it online. All voting is going to be done on the Ravencoin blockchain. Thank you. Perfect. There it is. So once again, you guys can check us out at uh, at C3 Media Two, the number two. Uh, you can go there, and you'll see that particular giveaway that's pinned at the top. If you want to participate? Head on over there. All right, Jake. Back to you. Let's go ahead and wrap this baby up. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, get, I get this strange feeling that maybe uh, uh, Decrypt is on AWS. <laughs> mm, you're right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not laughing. I'm just laughing at AWS being uh, taking everything down at once. So anyways, um, we appreciate you. If you've been listening and watching all the way to the end of our episode here, we always appreciate people get this far. If you uh, like that and you haven't already hit the like button, we would appreciate a like for this video. Uh, and if you'd like to continue to hear more and get updates from us, please subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can get us every Wednesday and Sunday on YouTube, as well as on Anchor and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can check us out on Discord. There's a lot of stuff going on over there. You can probably see this in the back of the video every now and then if you're watching on YouTube. Um, we definitely broadcast through Discord because it's the easiest way to get a bunch of people on the podcast. We have a lot of things going on there, and you can always get C3 Media tokens 
from doing work and participating in the chat on a regular basis. We also do Crypto Live Twitter, as Lissa had mentioned earlier. It's going to be, what, this, this evening at, at uh, what time is that event happening, John? Uh, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Pacific. So if you're on the Pacific left coast, then you can listen to that and join that and uh, participate. We're also uh, on Patreon. You can get us at three, five, or ten dollar uh, amounts, and those give us all that extra content. The higher amount you you participate with, and if you don't want to do that, we always accept Binance, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Basic Attention Token, and Raven. All the links about all this information is in the description below. Below, below, below. All right, Cryptonauts, thank you for listening. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Cryptolissa. And thank you, Vincent, for hanging out. And thank you, Jake, for being the co-host. Until next time, stack sats and hodl. Adios.